0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen-hundred-dollar first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody, working up. Everybody's working. With that time jersey
1: one more, one more edition of Time's Ours before Super Bowl 57 arrives. I don't know what time, dear listener, you're listening to this show. I don't know if it was as soon as it dropped on Thursday night, maybe Friday morning on the commute. Maybe you've held this until Sunday morning to give you one last jumping off point into Super Bowl Sunday. But all three of us are here. All three of us are definitely feeling like it's been a week about one football game all around the world. We've done, I I almost Mm. was able to do radio on three different continents Mm. today. I ended up having three different countries today. I got to clarify that I do know that Canada and North America is a part of North America. I do know that. This is the all-encompassing, internationally reaching, silly and serious, and then silly again, asking Andy Reid for his three favorite living rappers kind of week that leads up to the biggest game in American sports. Welcome in the Times R's here on The Athletic. I'm Joshua Briscoe alongside Nate Taylor out in Arizona and Seth Kaiser. Seth, who are your uh, top three rappers currently living? (laughs) Currently living? That was, I think that was top three rappers alive was Brandon Marshall's question to Andy
2: Reid. Oh yeah, you know, the alive thing is what gets me because Nate Dog died, Mm. um, Proof died, and those would have been two of my low key, like, hey, I'm not completely lame picks. Um, so Eminem one. who you're two and three yeah probably Nate Dogg and Proof and don't Eminem won me you little jerk <laughs> I mean you're not wrong but still <laughs> but it was loaded still I was still I, meeting, I liked D12 I had yeah. I don't know what yeah liking D12 probably isn't really a badge of honor at this point I'm afraid what would happen if I went back and listened to any of those songs because I remember at the time being like 16 like man I'm not sure this is okay like I don't think you can say this stuff. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure if I listened to it now, I'd be like, good Lord. So yeah, no, yeah. Top three living rappers. I, I don't know. Everyone would probably, what, what do I always hear people talking about? A dude named Lil Wayne?
1: Yeah, he's I, he's been around for a minute. Nate, do you have a, can you save at least Seth with a real answer?
3: <laughs> uh, of like actual people who are live? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to see, if two this show
1: can't come up with a better list than Andy Reid, we've got to retire. <laughs>
3: Andy Reid went what uh, Lil Wayne, Master P, and and uh, and Jay Z. The Master P one. The Master P was like, yeah, I I can tell you've been coaching for twenty four years, Coach. That was the Uh, only one that I felt like he said (laughs) with like some personal authority. Yeah, Master P. (laughs) Um, It's 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 a shame that Nas is not uh, acknowledged for obviously his greatness uh, both. Um, most recently and obviously, uh, coming all the way up to to Illmatic back in the day. Yeah, I mean, if you want to give Eminem, that's fine. I'm not going to like, I don't know, I'm not going to like, uh, be disgruntled about it. Uh, somebody, (laughs) I will say this, you probably can hear this (laughs) on the, on the in-room audio of the, you know, Hyatt, whatever ballroom we were in. But somebody was like... (laughs) Somebody was like, What about fifty cent? <laughs> <laughs> I mean Yeah. Man, I it was a great fifty cent live, which I think we've talked yeah, about before. Yeah. Um there was this person whose whose first name is K and he was not mentioned, so you know, there's there's that. Kendrick Lamar just won the Grammy guys. Yeah, that's the only um, one that I was gonna just make sure he at least yeah, for in the in yeah, the modern era. That that's all I Yeah. Like. You know, um, so, you know, there's there's plenty of people that you could go with. But um, the, the, the crazy thing was that, you know, because we get more access this week than we get at any point in the regular season, any point in the postseason, um, you do find what the actual limits are.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: like like we, have, we have legitimately found. The limits, and it's when we start asking Andy Reid about coffee, <laughs> about Mexican food, about uh, hey man, how you, you know, how are you gonna do uh, this particular run up from game day, from the moment your eyes awaken to, you know, getting in the State Farm Stadium, and, and Andy did his best to fulfill his obligation, which is saying <laughs> we'll treat it like a road game, but we won't have a walkthrough and like breakfast may be a little bit different but like we got to leave a little bit earlier like he really (laughs) answered the question um so we've reached our limit and i think it's cool because um you know i've been talking with patrick mahomes really from the start of camp all the way up till now um but this is a week where Jody Fortson is just having the time of his life. <laughs> this is a week where Juan Thornhill, who might be playing in his final game in a in Chiefs uniform, because obviously he will be an unrestricted free agent um, in March. This is where uh, he's had some. He's really had some moments of where he's saying things about the rookie DBs and um, can't hide the fact that, like, Steve is going to blitz Jalen Hurts more than any defensive <laughs> coordinator all season. Um you know, if you kind of read, uh, you know, what he sort of, uh, you know, I guess if you can infer what he's saying, obviously being around him all year. Uh, look, I mean, Frank Clark had a quote that you will read eventually on TheAthletic.com. Can I read the quote to you guys? I love it when you read quotes. This, <laughs> this is one of the all-time Frank Clark quotes that I don't know if it's because of this is just his essence or if this is something kind of like they had against Cincinnati where um, they had real confidence into the game plan defensively. But Frank Clark said, I've been in the league eight years. I've seen teams come and go. I've seen guys come and go. I've played the best of the best. So when people tell me, oh, these guys are the best guys you're going to play at the end of the day, they got to show me in quote. So they've heard about they've heard about the
2: Eagles offensive line a little bit this week. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <clears throat> that 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 kind of lines up with Chris Jones and boy, there has been some real care taken by both teams. No one's going to be the first one to fire a shot this week. You notice that? Yes. Like mm-hmm. yes. this has been the most respectful, like the most just like, you know, it, it's been it's been fun. But like Chris Jones, when they're like, oh, you know, their, their offensive line's the best in the game. And he made some like, yep, according to, yeah, that's what it says on PFF. And it's like, you know, for Chris Jones, that's a little, that's a little spicy. That's a little bit of a see all at Burrowhead, which is just interesting. Cause I don't think anyone can deny what a great offensive line they are. But as a defensive line player, especially one who just had the best season of pretty much any defensive lineman. mm-hmm. That you might be like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty good too. You know, I've I've like y'all remember when we played the the Cowboys last year and I destroyed Zach freaking Martin, like, Mm -hmm. which you know that would bother me a little bit, but they are really that good. So what can you do?
3: (laughs) He his uh his quote in the same story was quote They have an amazing offensive line." End quote. So Chris Jones on one end of the ballroom is saying they have an amazing offensive line. And on the other end of the ballroom, Frank Clark says they gotta show me. You know, yeah, that it's I, I just I need the game to be
2: here. you, you like you said, you know we've te- you you I've seen the limits tested. I've been shocked at how little Super Bowl content I've consumed.
1: like, I, I've, We've been I've making plenty so- of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I have it's talked. out there. <laughs> yeah. If anybody out there wants more Super Bowl content, see if yeah. Twitter still works by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, well, yeah, I, for, I forgot it's that time of month. We're, we're freaking out about Twitter. I.
3: <laughs> watching, I by, said, by the way, watching man. other reporters be like, oh, my God, I can't tweet. <laughs> and, I would, and I would go, Huh? One of those kind of days, huh? Just <laughs> let me just yes. continue on to my it, day.
2: Is it is it Thursday already? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I, I it's just interesting. I, I the entire Super Bowl experience feels kind of weird this time, and I can't quite put my finger on it. And I don't know why, but it's still. And I, I said this would happen when we recorded earlier this week. Still hasn't really sunk in for me. I've read some great pieces it's always great when like national coverage descends upon your team because you end up with some really great pieces that are really in-depth on a lot of things it's fun but I'm still like like you guys remember the the show we did before the soup the first Super Bowl
3: yes-hmm
2: and we were all like borderline like not. I'm trying to think of the right word. We weren't like emotional necessarily, but we were close. It was very like big picture. This is once in a lifetime stuff. This is so incredible. Like I went on
3: like a 10 minute. Hey, enjoy this. It was, it was in the podcast first year of existence.
2: <laughs> we were so much more sincere back then.
3: But um,
1: like I, I kind of think like in all seriousness, this has felt sort of like a, like a, juiced up Sunday night football game. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of where I'm at, where (sighs) Miami, that Radio Row week, was the first time the Chiefs had been to the Super Bowl in our lifetimes collectively. Tampa was weird. Obviously, the week just before was horrible. And then it was even media and everything was COVID and Zoom. And they Mm -hmm. weren't actually in Tampa until Mm -hmm. then. And now, this is Andy Reid's First time as a recently returning Super Bowl-winning head coach, right? Well, this first time returning as a Super Bowl-winning head coach, period. Kind of within all of the festivities of it all. Yes, right. And then Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones and Frank Clark, they've gone through some version of this cycle three times now. And that's one of the things I was... Uh, doing a, a radio hit right A little bit before the podcast started And was kind of this For whatever reason stuck in my head uh, There's an NFL video that they tweeted out from the, the official NFL account That starts with uh, with A, a dog on at Herbie From Andy Reid to Herbie Teope um, And then going through the top three rappers And the coffee questions And all that nonsense that we just talked about Being nonsense But it gives a little Andy Reid personality To the picture That we just don't get in week eight very often Like The people who are out there, Nate, I know you know what Andy Reid is like when he's, like, a little bit loosened up. But it just sort of feels like everybody's in a pretty good place. We've got a mix of rookies who just got here and won't know that this isn't normal. Second-year players who finally got back to the Super Bowl after getting close last year in a really disappointing way. Guys on their third trip who are total veterans of it at this point. Like yep. there, and then a guy like a veteran like Carlos Dunlap, who's in his first Super Bowl, but has been trying to get to this for let me check his football reference page forty five years of his career. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just
2: <laughs> a
3: fascinating
1: mix. And every year his arms
3: got one inch longer. That's yeah. right, right. Hey. And, and he's the one. He's the one that the team has given a lot of the spotlight to. Of course, him um, and Juju. Yeah. Yes, and, and and Carlos Dunlap has repeatedly been like, "We're here for one mission, one goal. Got to stay connected." It's just like, wow, like Carlos knows obviously that he's closer towards the end of his career than obviously the beginning. Um, but you could tell he's very he's very motivated. and feels a a real sense of um, responsibility to a lot of the guys on the team to be like, we have like we have to win this game. And that is such different from the dynamics that obviously you all laid that you just laid out, Josh. So it is. It is, it is a really fascinating team to know that um, there are stars, there are newcomers, there are rookies, and they're all experiencing the Super Bowl in a in a slightly different manner, um, and yet they know they have to go up against a team that is just as talented as the Bengals, if not more. Um, and the challenge is going to be harder because there's probably more unfamiliarity um, than really they've than anybody they've played since about the midway point of the season, of course, because, you know, that's when you don't play a lot of teams in the AFC and then you sort of finish the, the regular season with obviously the teams that are in your conference. So it's it's quite the time. And no one has really uh, felt the pressure of legacy mm. a lot of ways they felt it in Miami. And I felt like they, they really used that as like, obviously an inspiration and a motivation. They got off, you know, a large group of guys got off the plane in Miami in Andy Reid-esque Hawaiian shirts because they all wanted the responsibility of being the team that got Andy Reid his first Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. That's not here now. Um, And we know that Kelsey is at a place where um, he is the best tight end in the game. Like Legacies are pretty much cemented, but I do think this this game is more about um, how the dynasty either continues or it was really, you know, firmly established. Because, obviously, they're doing it with 24 new guys on the team from 2019. And no one's really talked about Destiny. Um, but that's very much a theme of Sunday's game for these Chiefs because um, – Winning two in four years is, like, that's really, really impressive, considering, as we all remember, they were in another Super Bowl at the same time and they could have went back to back. So, um, it's, I don't know if I would categorize it as unusual. Um, I just know that, like, the team felt such a euphoric joy from beating the Bengals. And this sort of game um, really is about how much Mahomes can uh, prove his excellence one more time with additional time of rest and two weeks to prepare and a team fully in support of him because as we're recording this, the assumption is he will have been the reigning MVP when the game starts Um, because NFL Honors is now on Thursday night. Um, But yeah, this is... This is a this is the end of a journey that um, is both surprising, but you could also say expected at the same time.
1: If you want to read more about the, the newcomers in general, uh, you can do that right now on theathletic.com. An author named Nate Taylor includes sentences like Dunlap received the trophy from Reed and held it as if it was a baby, kissing it several times. I I love it when Nate reads his own stories, but sometimes just reading a pair like a, just a sentence out loud I think really just brings brings it to the top. So you can read that from Nate uh in the uh in the Athletic right now. It's all it's all stupendous. Um but little little nuggets like that one always make me smile. Uh with that being said, uh do we do we want to do any more? Or you know what? Actually, I'm sorry. Let's do a quick status of the health right now. Oh, um, yes where we have yesterday's injury report. We might get today's as we record. It was really late on for Wednesdays and um, that seems like that could come out while we're still doing the show here today. Uh, but Kadarius Tony was the only limited participant uh, and it sounded like Andy Reid was saying, hey, he, he did what we wanted him to do on Wednesday and uh, we'll just kind of see where it goes. Juju Smith-Schuster being a full participant was, frankly, like maybe surprising. slightly surprising to me. Yeah, you know, I'm glad they we're on the same page. Yeah. I also don't know exactly what all that means. So, um, and the rest of the guys, all four full participants. I don't think any of them are quite as noteworthy. We knew Willie Gay was pretty close. Um, Lejarius Sneed's good to go, but those two receivers, Nate, um, what are you, uh, what are you expecting from them health wise? And then Seth, we had a similar conversation like two days ago, but now that Juju's at, at full participation if not full health full participation and then if tony is limited i'm, I'm curious how you think that impacts what the chiefs are going to try to do but nate start us with what we know with what you know and then seth you can uh, tell us what you think
3: yeah uh really quick unless something unforeseen happens everybody's going to play and that is a real benefit i think that's going to be the case on both teams which i think is is really um i think it's really cool because you don't want to miss the super bowl because of injury um, but from the Chiefs standpoint, everybody's going to play. Um, Andy Reid made it very clear. And um, this is where you don't want to get too much self-involved. But it was like, oh, he actually acknowledged what was what I've been saying for years, which is Thursday's practice. is <laughs> the most important, hardest practice before the game. Friday is more situational walkthrough-like. Um, occasionally, they'll do... Trick plays. They'll they'll go through a certain set of things on Friday, but Thursday is like the big practice. So obviously, as we record, we don't have the report. But even if it stays consistent, even if it stays the same, like hey Juju's full and Kadarius is limited, like that won't sway me from thinking that Kadarius Tony isn't going to play in the Super Bowl. Like once again, I think Kadarius Tony is a really pivotal part of their game plan. Um, but it's a positive sign that Juju was a full participant yesterday um, and. The, the only thing that I wish I could give folks um, that I can't because it's the Super Bowl and we must lock this down um, is that I can't watch, obviously, the open portion of practice that is left to only one person. That is Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated who gets the opportunity to do that and give a, a, a condensed full report. To which uh, my favorite moment was Andy Reid also acknowledging that he does not have a hand in the musical playlist of practice primarily of hip-hop artiste um we, we probably could have uh, divined that from our opening conversation to now but yeah yeah good to know for sure yeah great great to know for sure that uh he does he says i don't have a hand in it <laughs> thanks thanks coach sometimes um, is about delegation yep <laughs> <laughs> but no everybody's gonna play and uh and that should get people excited because you want to see these teams at their absolute best, given the circumstances of a incredibly long season. Now, you know, reaching the apex point.
1: Seth, what's it mean if those guys are both playing? Um. Well, with
3: Kadarius Toti, you, you
2: need him uh, by and large. Um, they're going to try to do some of their usual stuff to slow down pass rush. And <clears throat> there it is. There and it then-
1: is.
3: I'm getting old, man.
1: In fairness, um, dude, I, sometimes, and this is, I'm saying this is a mea culpa. Sometimes, you know, talk for like 20 straight minutes, you know, which is how it feels sometimes. I feel like we put you on an island early in the show and then set you up for failure to come in and have to hawk through a loogie. And, like, Tony. I'd like to talk
2: about <laughs> um, <laughs> and this. Then, and, then and then you get mad at me for tweeting. It's like, well, I want someone to play with. Um... I, I was gonna go a certain direction with the voice there, and I was like, nope, too creepy, you're 37. So that been fine. anyway, um with Kadarius Tony, one of the ways the Chiefs slow down pass rushes is with motion, jet sweeps, wide receiver screens, and a bunch of other goofy things that when we talked about this earlier this week, um, put Nick Bosa in hell earlier this year. Where one of like the three people in the league who's as good as Chris Jones, it's like Parsons, Bosa and Chris Jones, and they just completely removed him from the game, basically. And McCall Hardman was a huge part of that. And jet sweeps in particular are tough for defensive linemen to deal with, because if you go upfield at all, that dude is gone. Well, McCall Hardman's great at it, he's not playing. The only other guy they have on the, the roster that has shown repeatedly that he's really good at that is Kadarius Tony. Moore shows some flashes, but I don't know if he's really ready. MVS is really fast, you know, Juju's strong, but he, he doesn't have burst. And so they need him for that. And really against a good defense, a good pass rush, you want as many quick strike weapons available as possible that you think can help you get yak. So Tony's Tony's a big deal. And Juju Smith-Schuster a big deal in that when you've got a team, again, that gets a lot of pass rush, you need guys that you can trust to separate quickly Uh, whether they play a lot of man and it's a guy you trust to hit to win back shoulder which that is juju he trusts juju for that stuff Uh, other than kelsey like that's his guy like okay i trust you and because juju's been kind of banged up over the last like six weeks or so maybe a little longer i think we've kind of forgotten how productive he was for most of this season um he was well on his way to 11 1200 yards and that's in that's forever kind of been the, the issue for the guy. You know, it's unfortunate for him. You know, that, the, that knee, it's just, it's just bothersome. But he's someone Mahomes trusts against man, especially winning back shoulder throws, kind of boxing stuff out. And he's a guy who uncovers pretty well against zone. So you need those guys. This is a really good, really talented defense that we don't quite know anything about because the best quarterback they played this year was arguably like a really reduced version of Aaron Rodgers or Jared Goff.
3: Or Taylor Heineke.
2: Yeah, or Taylor Heineke. I mean, Kyler Murray kind of worked them over, honestly. Um, now, that was early season, Kyler Murray. So, you know, you know, the new Call of Duty hadn't dropped. And he was, you know, he was tearing teams up a little bit at the moment. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, I, I just, those guys being healthy, it's a really, really big deal because it's, it's a really talented defense. And you want to be able to match up. You know, the whole styles make fights thing. One of the the advantages the Chiefs have had this year is they can kind of play whatever style they want, but you need Juju Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Toney healthy, at least mostly healthy, to be able to vary your style like that. So big news, great news. I'm excited um, because the offense, the Chiefs offense versus the Eagles defense, It dictates so much of this game because it doesn't just dictate, you know, how many points the Chiefs score. This is such a, this is such a, well, duh, kind of thing. But it really matters with the Eagles, I think. It also dictates how many points the Eagles need to score. And that, again, well, duh, Seth. Yes, the Eagles, when they are um, behind schedule or playing from behind, which has not happened a lot this year because they're real good they are not nearly as good on offense. And like their EPA, it it goes from like, it's not real close to the Chiefs because no one is because the Chiefs are just freakish. But it goes from the second best in the league to, you know, behind middle of the pack when they're not in advantageous uh, scripts. And so the Chiefs offense against the Eagles defense, it can not only dictate, you know, what happens there, obviously, you know, if you score points, you're more likely to win, of course. But if they can do something early and force the Eagles to play from, you know, 14-3, you know, or, you know, 17-7, whatever, that, that alters the game to where if you're in the second half and you're down 10, you can't just say, well, that's fine. We'll just run the ball 15 times on this drive and chew up the entire third quarter. Whereas if the Eagles are up. By three or seven, because when they're winning games, I don't know how many of their games you guys have watched when they're winning games by by like seven. It feels like a 17 point lead Mm. because they just they'll just well, we are going to and they, they will spam plays like I watched them. I don't remember what team this was against. They ran the same play like like five times in a row. Just, just spamming some inside zone, and it's
3: just like was, was oh. that team the Pittsburgh Steelers? I think it might have been. I, I don't, because that game was them saying, "Mike, we don't even want to get we don't." Mike, Mike, you a good, you a good coach, Mike Tomlin, <laughs> and guess what? I got better guys. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. So why, and they, they're just I, better. Why would I complicate this? Run, <laughs> it, run it
2: again. Run it again. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they really do they do a great job with that, with that, you know, the keep it simple, stupid. They, they they do a great job with that. And if you are in a really close game or you're you're winning or you're tied, you can do that. If you're losing by a touchdown or by 10 points, that becomes a lot more complicated. So it, it's just Tony and Juju being healthy is wildly important just for Kansas City's ability to try to exploit any possible matchup as opposed to Reed needing to scheme around weaknesses in the group like he had to against
0: the Bengals. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep,
1: since we're on the offensive side and before we, we cannonball to the chiefs defense, which I'm genuinely once again, really excited to talk about. Um, we, we have heard a ton about the Eagles pass rush this week. And, and rightfully so they uh, led the league in sacks by 95 of, of I think over uh, second place, not quite that many, but it was uh, absolutely ridiculous. And their rotations deep
3: 70 sacks in a 17 game season. Un, unfathomable. Uh, that is just ridiculous. <laughs> and again, they're doing
1: it not just with like one dude, like Hassan Reddick's kind of the, the leader of the group. Uh, but at this point, but they go deep through the entire rotation. That's something that's come up a lot. Where are you guys at in terms of your level of concern with the Eagles pass rush? Because I've had a lot of people bringing up, you know, oh, in the Buccaneers Super Bowl, we saw what happened when the Chiefs can't block anybody. Um, I'll, I'll I'll give you my uh, quick version I don't think that this offensive line is going to look like the Chiefs-Bucks Super Bowl offensive line did because it's more talented than that. Several spots. Uh, but I uh, I do wonder where you're at in terms of how effective you think it could be against Mahomes. And specifically, we has a lot of time talking about Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley.
3: I think this game really does come down to, to Trey Smith from the line standpoint. Mm. Um, because we've seen the Chiefs play um very good edge rushers. Um, week two really jumps out to me because I was on a four-day yeah, I was on a four-day turnaround, obviously, with Khalil Mack and, and Joey Bosa. Um, you know what Nick Bosa can do. Obviously, um Arden Key was in the mix in the divisional round. Um, I think uh, you come to expect that there's going to be some level of, of pressure generated on the edge. What cannot happen is trace me Creed Humphrey and, and, and Joe Tooney um, not giving some form of a, of a pocket for my because obviously what we've seen is they'll have Orlando push someone wide of the landmark and then Pat usually steps up and that gives them a chance to either throw it in the pocket or obviously bounce it outside or, you know, run for a first down and it got to have it moment. That's, you know, Andrew Wiley sort of blocking um, incredibly well on that play. But what works is because you know they have you know I I think they really do have the second best offensive line in football and it's just a matter of now of like is the gap between one and two significant or is it minuscule um, and if it's really really small then that gives the Chiefs I think a, a, a very good advantage because the Eagles I was it's, it's funny I was, I was talking to Robert Mays about this obviously from the the athletic football show and he just said, look, I I, I I talked, he talked to Andy Heck and he's like, no, they're they're just gonna do what they do. Um he's like, no stunts, no exotic, like, you don't think anything? And he's like, no. And then just yeah, they just put five guys on the line of scrimmage and yep. they all their bare front. And two of those guys win. <laughs> like, and the issue the issue really becomes a problem if the guys in the interior win, which is why Chris Jones is such a anomaly. Um when you really study him across his peers at the interior line position. So um, if if Trey Smith plays well, they can run the ball. They can obviously protect Mahomes. It will give the offense more time to be, you know, exploring second and third levels down the field. Um, I think, and you know, we've all talked about this before. When Trey Smith has some anger to him, it 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 has some real effect for the rest of the team. Um, that's just someone in the offensive line that I'm pinpointing. Even though I know most of the time we tend to look at Andrew Wiley or Orlando Brown. Um, Joe Tooney's played in enough Super Bowls that I'm just like he'll be he'll be he'll be what I expect him to be. I Trey assume Smith. he's fully charged. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's really about Creed Humphrey, and I think even more about Trey Smith. Uh, to, to not let Adamic and Sue come in the game and just, you know, uh, collapse the pocket uh, faster than, like, the average player did. I also wonder, too, if, like, the Tennessee game is, like, a bit applicable because they could not run the ball on Tennessee. Mm. They really couldn't run the ball because um, – you know, the Bengals last time. Yep. DJ so, reader gives them problems, gives them problems. And so if Fletcher Cox or Indominus Sue can do similar things, then the burden obviously shifts on Mahomes' shoulder, his mm-hmm. right, you know, his, his, his right ankle. And obviously how can he sort of do things off script with a little bit more time to obviously get closer to full health, even though he's not going to be a hundred percent Sunday. Yeah. Um, <coughs> despite getting around-the-clock treatment. So, Seth, where are you at there? And then what,
1: what can the Chiefs do to try to help out their, their O-line if that ends up being a problem? But do you think it's going to be? Um,
2: one thing, I'm definitely worried about their ability to run the ball. Linval Joseph has played real well this year. He's a guy I wish the Chiefs would have picked up. They could have picked him up for cheap and plugged him in the middle, and they would have been better off for it. And I don't mean that as disrespect to, to Nadi or Williams, but Linval Joseph's a better player run stuffer right now he eats space better williams isn't quite the same guy he was you know two three years ago and he's done a good job for them and their run defense made some big strides after he arrived because he of his ability to actually control two gaps which is hard to do um, another thing worth noting hargrave one of the only sacks uh, creed humphrey gave up last year maybe the only sack
3: I think it was. Um, yes, I think it was. That, that's a very good point. Yeah. And Hargrave
2: beat him like a drum on that play. Um, he is a really tough combination of power and, and kind of sneaky quickness. Um, he's been really good this year. So that interior stuff, it's interesting. Here's the here's the problem with lining up in bare front consistently against the Chiefs. So you line up five. One of them wins here's the, the the problem you're you're in now is so now you automatically it's like it's like you're automatically blitzing right yeah which means you have seven guys in coverage which means you're limiting what your options are in coverage with what exactly you can do it would not shock me if the chiefs if they're going to insist on lining up at a bear front if the chiefs spammed empty on them a little bit mm. and said okay That ball's coming out in 1.5 seconds, guys, because you've got seven guys in coverage and we have five guys running routes and it's just not enough. And, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to are you going to try to, you know, swallow up the underneath stuff and leave some stuff open over the top? MVS made the Bengals pay for that. Are you going to play too high? Now, imagine this. You're running a bare front and you're playing too high. So that's seven guys accounted for. You're trying to cover the intermediate part of the field when you're playing Travis Kelsey with five dudes. You know, your three corners, your two linebackers, like what are you going to do there? So they, they've they got some choices to make, but that's what they do. The Eagles do that and they're so good at it and their pass rush is so good that most teams haven't been able to just throw the ball all over the yard on them. But if you have and... You can't tell me that, you know, the Cowboys with Dak isn't a better passing. is a better passing attack than the Chiefs. So I'm curious, like it, it's, it's such an interesting thing because some of the things that the Eagles do well on defense, like, like that just doesn't really match up with the Chiefs. And so is it a styles make fight thing? Is it a you do what you do thing? I don't know. Are they so good at what they do that it doesn't matter? Because people, people go back to the, to the Bucs you got to keep in mind, though, the Bucs were rushing four consistently. They mm-hmm. were not lining up with five. Right. And maybe that's an adjustment that the uh, that the Eagles make. They say, well, we're not going to do bare fronts. We need extra guys in coverage. And our four can beat their five. And maybe they can.
3: I I, they, just, they're a really, really good group. Um, I, just hope, I just hope Brandon Graham's ready for um, – I just hope he's ready for Jerick McKinnon. Yeah, Jared McKinnon's going to break someone's ribs this game. I hope Hassan Riddick's ready for Jared McKinnon. Oh, yeah.
2: They are. I just hope he's ready. Yep. Someone. Now, the the interesting thing is the Chiefs have moved away a little bit from some of the more traditional um, chips from running backs. And part of it was early in the season, they were chipping dudes right into Mahomes. And it's like they weren't on the same page. That has not been nearly as much of a problem lately. And have you guys noticed that that's once it's been a lot more Jarek McKinnon in pass pro? Mm-hmm. He, he picks his spots really well. And I think he communicates really well with his linemen. They like called him like an honorary offensive lineman, which is hilarious because that dude weighs like a buck 10 soaking wet. <laughs> um, man, you got to be. He said that like, you got to be maniacal to be that guy. Like. Man, he's nuts. That's awesome. Like, I respect it.
3: Yeah. Um, and, and look, Josh, if there, was ever, if there was ever a time for Andy Reid to show more variations of screens, Ooh. Sunday, Sunday would, be op, would be optimal. We stopped seeing new additions
1: for a little bit in there, right? Like, we, we haven't gotten a new Andy Reid iPhone. We haven't gotten the new section in the, uh, oh God, I got to go give credit to whoever suggested this. We haven't seen a new addition to the Chiefs Cake Factory menu in a little while, <laughs> go to the screen department. Nice. Yeah, hold on. I, that wasn't my joke.
2: Something worth noting, you know who saw more targets than Jarek McKinnon in the AFC championship? Isaiah I did. Pacheco. I sure did, did see that. I did and see this. You know and here's the thing, Pacheco, in his limited chances as a receiver, has shown pretty natural hands and and look, I like McKinnon, I love what he's brought to the offense. It's been so great. But with the ball in his hands, can we all agree without this being a slight to McKinnon? that he is not as dangerous as Isaiah Pacheco. Like that's fair, right?
3: In terms of yards above expectation? Yeah, in that yeah, case, like yes. once
2: <laughs> once he catches the ball, he's more likely to get more yards. He's faster, he's bigger, he's stronger. McKinnon does a great job. Pacheco is a little bit of a different animal once the ball's in his hands. And that's been kind of cool to see them start unfolding that part of the offense this late in the year. Um. But it's, it's a big Jarek McKinnon game. Um, I also think it's a big Isaiah Pacheco game, but so much of it just depends. Can they run the ball? I think you're going to see almost every Chiefs game you've been able to tell this year within the first couple drives if they're going to run the ball very well that game. You'll, you'll see them line up in 13 or 12 personnel and, and try to run the ball a little, and it either goes for five or six or it goes for nothing. And you know that it's going to be that kind of day. So I, I think we'll be able to tell that kind of early.
1: Shout out to Brad Alice for uh, Chiefs Cake Factory and shout out to Zach for suggesting the combination of a Chiefs Cake Factory on offense combined with the defense's sphagnum opus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Come
1: on. Both of Open you, it uh, up, Both spags. of you at this point are uh, contributors to jokes I will be making for the next uh, a couple of days, regardless, in the next month or two, if they win. What if we
3: Thank engage you Brad and Zach? What if we engage nine?
1: <laughs>
2: what if we engage nine? You know, I, I, I don't know if that brings us to this naturally. Yes, let's do it. Steve Spagnuolo, this is, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Super Bowl, it just didn't really matter. But low key, if you go back and rewatch the first half before the Chiefs offense just crumbled under the pressure of not being able to protect the homes and receivers dropping passes that are hitting them in the face. <laughs> the defense, low key, started off that game pretty well. The defense right now, right this second, I think is playing as well or better as it has in the entire Steve Spagnolo era. I buy it. And this is, he's facing his second year quarterback, who has vastly exceeded expectations, who has played really, really well, and who also, if I'm recalling, I believe his EPA against the Blitz, and remember everyone, EPA is expected points added, uh, basically how well you move the ball. He is 29th in EPA per play against
1: five plus pass rushers. Man, Nate, I in, can't believe that Seth just said Jalen Hurts should have played wide receiver. I mean, oh, oh.
2: yeah, look, way too many people. Stop
1: it <laughs> No <laughs> I mean that's what you texted us earlier in the week It was Jalen Hurts is a bum He should play wide receiver And Steve Spagnuolo is going to put him in a dishwasher so, I thought that was weird because make, make
2: one argument for why you would pick Patrick Mahomes over Jalen Hurts No,
1: we're not doing that
3: Guys, are not doing guys Guys, 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 <laughs> guys, 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 guys Guys, guys Let him have his moment And I mean that in, in the nicest way I can say it Fine
0: Mm,
3: fine. All right. I'm good. I'm back. He, has he not watched Patrick Mahomes play? No. Football? Clearly, I don't. Clearly no. not. Watched to, him play football.
2: To the credit to our colleagues at the Athletic who were who were with him, both of them were like, "Well, that? He, he's a he's a better player." <laughs> that was that was awesome. Like, that response, was like, "Well, because because he's better." Like it's like, "Well, yeah, but Hurts is younger." It's like, "Yes, he is 24 versus
1: 27." You know what? I can't do this. I'm sorry. You're right, John. <laughs> we, we, so we don't need to do it. We don't need to to do it. Hey, you hey, hey, to... hey, 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 guys. If the Chiefs win this game, who's to say that Creed Humphrey isn't a better all-time center than Jason Kelsey? Oh, up. Up. Oh, oh, no! Oh to Who's to say it? Who's to say it? Who's to say it? Who's to say it? Yeah, who's make, to the say it? I, who's make the to argument. Who's to say it? Make the uh, argument. Who's Make the uh, argument. Say it. That's, that's, by the way, their Keith, PFF oh, grades no. are basically identical and Creed's going to have this ring. I mean, who's to say? Just, just
2: so you know, kids. Anytime, you know, the prove me wrong meme is very funny and and everyone enjoys it and all that kind of stuff. But anytime someone really actually tries to engage you in something and they say something and then they say, prove me wrong, that's called flipping the burden of proof. They are the one making a claim. It is their job as the claim maker to provide why their premises lead to that conclusion. This has been Critical Thinking 101. Don't let people do that to
1: you. It's basically a form of gaslighting. Hey, uh, how, many, how many rings does A.J. Brown have real quick? Oh gosh.
2: No, don't do this, John.
1: Is it zero? Cause
2: Justin Watson's about to have two. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna have two if they win this game. <laughs> make the argument, make, make the argument. argument. <laughs> make so anyway, <laughs> I think he's younger too. I don't know if he's <laughs> So, all right. Here's the thing, Jalen Hurts, and one thing that's worth noting, His, him ranking so low against the Blitz, and that part of that is just gonna be a sample size issue, right? Because they really weren't losing that much. Correct. And so you don't have a lot of teams that are pinning their ears back. But I'll tell you, if you look back at like the Colts, the Cardinals, and like some of the teams that kind of gave them some problems. What's up with the Colts, by the way? Like they beat the Chiefs. They like took the Eagles to the wire, man. Like. What happened to them? Like if they played that well against every other team, they would have finished the season,
3: you know, 15 and two. It's, it's, it's also called we have to play in Indianapolis. <laughs> hey guys, listen, Jeff Saturday won a football
1: game. Who's to say he's not a better head <laughs> oh coach? That- <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> One of my favorite things about you, Josh, is you're like, no, Seth,
2: don't do it. And then you proceed to do it for like the next 10 minutes. I did it different. I- I can't blame you. And so I already did like a five tweet thread on it because it was like making me itchy.
1: Like, <laughs> I was like, I can't leave this unanswered. But anyway, it was, it was, that was hot take dandruff that we all got for about a day. And we don't have to, <laughs> we got the shampoo now. We're good. No, we're clean. We're good. So
2: because he's performed poorly to an extent, relatively speaking, we'll call it, against the Blitz, and because he is a second year quarterback. I've never seen a second-year quarterback that Steve Spagnuolo did not. His first idea wasn't, what if we just blitzed the water boy? What if Clark Hunt ran out onto the field and tackled What if? Like, that's Spagnolo. I mean, it's like, we're going to go after you. Prove to me that you can handle a zone blitz and know whether I'm going to have the hot read covered and where you'd go next. Show me you can find those holes pre-snap. Because Um, sometimes, sometimes, like against the Bengals, they they tried to do the zone blitz stuff earlier this year, and Burrow said, I absolutely can do that, and proceeded to complete like 19 passes in a row over the middle of the field. Jalen Hurts has not shown he can do that. And so what they did against the Bengals, they were running some pretty aggressive stuff, but they were playing more man than you think, Mm -hmm. while keeping a couple safeties over the top. And maybe they do the same thing. I don't know. A.J. Brown chews up man, but so does Jamar Chase, so it's hard to say. I think with Jalen Hurts, you're going to see more. We are going to do some Some – we're going to send at least five guys after you a lot of time. We're also going to send some simulated pressures where we're dropping Frank Clark and Colin Saunders into space right where you want to throw the ball hot and see if you throw a pick to the big dude and show me you can process it. Show me you can do it because – and to in Jalen Hurts' defense – He spent the last two years showing everyone he can do everything that people didn't think he could do. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it'll work, but I do know he hasn't been great against the Blitz this year,
3: and I know Steve Spagnuolo loves to give people the Jordan Love treatment. In two playoff games this postseason, Jalen Hurts has been blitzed on 16 dropbacks. His off-target percentage per True Media is 20%. When he is blitzed, he has not completed a single pass to the outside numbers on the right half of the field Oh dang! on any attempt 10 yards, 20 yards, 30 yards, 0%, 0%, 0%. So what he likes to do is throw just inside the numbers to the right. He likes to throw over the middle if he has time, or he likes to throw behind the line of scrimmage. That's where his completions are in yep. these two postseason games where the, he has been blitzed. So on 16 dropbacks, where five or more defenders have come to attack him, he has completed eight attempts. You, excuse me, He has completed eight out of 15 attempts.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So eight out of 15. For how many yards, guys? I, eight, I, com- I, eight completions out of 15 attempts for how many yards? I, it feels like it's gonna be
2: low, so let's say 70 yards. Oh, oh, 45.
3: 34 yards.
2: (laughs) Holy cow! Okay, that, people are gonna think that that was me just whatever, but no, that's that's not good. No, that's not that good of an actor.
3: He has had two drop passes. You know that. So so that's part of the, that's part of the issue. Oh, sure. So with two completions, maybe he does get more into like that 70 range but on 8 for 15, 34 yards, one sack, and then this is the one that that kind of jumps out to me. Yards per pass attempt, 2.27. You know, The, book, the book's out, guys. The book's out. Like, yeah. And this
2: is – I've seen a few people write about this. And this is – I wrote about this on the Chief of the North newsletter, fun, fun, fun. And the first thing is, I, I would give Hertz the Jordan Love treatment. That's not me saying he's Jordan Love. You could call it the Trevor Lawrence treatment, um, or you could, I, what I said is, Housebags will play almost any quarterback if he thinks it has a chance treatment.
1: Hmm.
2: Be, and and with, with Hertz, it's pretty clear. And that's one reason why it's so important for them that they run the ball well. Here's yes. the interesting thing to me with that, in terms of blitzing. And, and I wrote about this. People really, I'm kind of proud of this one, honestly. Um... One thing about being aggressive with blitzes or, you know, sending maybe a guy into the A gap, you know what else that does? If they run the ball, it evens out the numbers to where you're no longer having them start off with a double team and you know, or a combo block and Jason Kelsey climbing to the second level because Nick Bolton is slamming into their rib cage at the line of scrimmage right or or leo chanel is some for some reason lined up right next to derek naughty right those things it has the potential corollary benefit of helping slow down the run game because you are no longer the eagles are no longer able to play you know well we get to do seven on your set you know on five up front because jalen hurts is a threat so you got to account for his body well if you've got seven guys at the line of scrimmage Suddenly, those numbers are a lot more fair. And they also, again, has the core, the benefit of, okay, we've got seven on the line. Who's dropping? And this worked on Patrick Mahomes his first year. This is what Belichick did with him that was so successful for a while until he started to just run around and do insane things. Um, the Ravens did it to him, again, until he started running around and doing insane things. And that's because Mahomes couldn't pick apart which guys were coming and which guys weren't. At that point in his career, can Jalen Hurts do that? So far, he hasn't. Now, I'm not going to bet against that dude in a championship game because he's just real good. But, like you said, Nate, I, I think the I think the, the the quote unquote secret is out. Like everyone yeah. knows, it's going to be on Hurts. I think early because I think they're not just going to blitz. I think they're going to I think they're going to run blitz. I think they're going to be sending Willie Gay Jr. Uh, around the edge and and Nick Bolton
1: through the A-gaps. It's interesting. Well, yeah. Go ahead. I was oh, going to say that it's interesting, Seth, that you say you're not going to uh, disrespect Jalen Hurts in a championship game. I had to just pull up the depth chart and see if Tua was backing him up again, and he's not, so I think you might be okay.
3: <laughs> Jeepers. Um, that one was rude. That one was
1: just a joke for all of our friends here. Nobody clipped that because I didn't mean it. I like Jalen Hurts. It just was right
3: there. Yeah. What? So, so what, <laughs> one reason why you would ask why should we bless this quarterback is can he burn you downfield mm-hmm. on pass attempts twenty yards downfield? Again, he is over passing deep to the right side of the field. One, two, three, four, five misses downfield to the right at the numbers or obviously at the perimeter. Um, his one magnificent completion downfield, of course, was to Devontae Smith against the 49ers, of which, if the 49ers had challenged the play, would have been an incompletion. So with his right shoulder injury, he has not proven in the playoffs right. that he can throw the ball downfield. That's a great point. They have to run the ball. They, they, they have to run the ball, even with A.J. Brown, who was a great ball getter, even with Demonte Smith, who is incredibly smooth with his routes, they have to run the ball. Um, and the game script really needs to go uh, to, like you said earlier, it needs to be either, either even or to their advantage. Um, because in these two playoff games against um, Wink Martindale, who is obviously known for blitzing with the Giants, and the 49ers, who refuse to blitz because they have Nick Bosa um, and Fred Warner, um, he's only completed two passes 20 yards downfield, and they're to the left side of the field, on the boundary. Um, one of them, of course, is him moving out of the pocket uh, to where he extended the play. Well, and where, one wasn't even a catch, Smith. actually. Yeah, that's what I mentioned—the Devontae Smith one, yeah. where where if the and and look, give credit to the Eagles; they understood that. Like, we get up to the line, we are really good at runs. You know, they've obviously practiced when we get in these situations. We know our actual call to where the coaches don't have to do it, and then we run up, and look, if Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to throw the challenge back, that's that's on him. Oh, yeah. Um, no, but right. he destroyed but, him in game management. But, yeah, but that's, you know, again, so if he proves that he could throw the ball downfield, then that obviously changes the, the, the complexion of the game. But, you know, as much as we're wondering about Patrick Mahomes' right ankle injury, um, I do wonder how much arm strength... Accuracy can be enhanced over these two weeks because in the postseason that was the that was the sneaky quiet thing. He he did not turn the ball over, he made very astute decisions, that being Jalen Hurts, but he also did not throw the ball downfield. Um, and when they tried it, just to keep defenders honest, they weren't successful enough to where defenders were really afraid of it. The only issue is they could not tackle Miles Sanders because Jason Kelsey is one of the best linemen I have ever seen get to the second level and manipulate a defender. And Fred Warner is probably still wondering, how in the world did I get beat this bad? Because I'm one of the best middle linebackers on the field, and he didn't know where the ball was going. Yep, That was really good
1: analysis, but I was having a minor minor crisis during it, Nate, because we do have an injury report out today, and it's not what – you might expect in one spot mm. Canarius Tony Full participant Legarius Sneed Limited knee it would be alright You're welcome <laughs> <laughs> Nate uh, That is It'll be alright
3: uh, Also your Evaluation mm, I need to see tomorrow's report um, That's not good that That is that is not good. So uh, I'm seeing here on Twitter,
1: uh, Zach Eisen tweeting out that there was a, a knee issue for Sneed earlier in the year. I simply do not remember anything from more than an hour and a half ago. Um, so I'm bringing that <laughs> up to kind of run that by you if that rings a bell.
3: Uh, I trust Zach, but I just don't remember it. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I, I, I would trust him too. It, it doesn't come to mind. like um, In terms of guys that I've played through knee injuries basically all season, it's been like Juju and like Orlando Brown. and um, Yeah, I, I mean... Joe Tooney had a little bit of an ankle knee midway through the season, but he's played through that. So, like, no, I don't. I mean, well, obviously, Legarius was excellent, um, really, in September and October. So, you know, we'll see how they manage it. But um, it would it would be nice to have the best blitzing cornerback in the game. Yeah, when, it sure. When would. you when you when you want to blitz Jalen Hurts, um, they already I mean, got tripped I'm seeing so.
1: I'm seeing here like knee issues from the off season workouts, and I don't. Yeah, I'm. Whatever that originates from, the, the thing that immediately makes me nervous is that if you get hurt during practice, you are going to have been a limited participant because you started practicing and didn't finish it. Um, yeah, that's that is that is
3: one that is one possibility. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm just going to immediately assume the worst because it's Super Bowl week and that it feels like we're due for that uh, just for something bad because it's been relatively good news across the board so far so sorry everybody that this is at the end of this episode and that we have no extra analysis to give I would suggest perhaps reading theathletic.com athletic.com and uh, following at by Nate Taylor on Twitter in addition to uh, keeping up with that uh, with Seth and I Nate might be your uh, your update man on this one so that'll be worth keeping an eye on yeah I feel worse now than I did at the beginning of the podcast
3: You guys I, want to do Super Bowl predictions
1: or uh, I feel like it's, it's never supposed
3: to be, be easy out. Josh <laughs> No, <laughs> I think it's going to be right. easy.
1: Sneed,
2: Snead. If even if he's a little dinged up, he'll play. He'll be all right. You know, and even if he's not, you know what? The kids are all right. Someone should write an article about that.
3: Hey, hey.
1: There's a lot of good stuff available on mnchiefsfan.substack.com and at the Athletic from Nate. Uh, with that being said, guys. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's go ahead and say what we think is happening in the Super Bowl with uh, the the limited information that we have on the health front. It's going to be limited all the way until kickoff, I presume. Uh, so, what are you guys thinking? And if there's one little nugget or one matchup or something we haven't covered today that you think is important, uh, why don't you weave that into your prediction?
3: I can't doubt. I can't doubt. I can't doubt them. Um, I'm not going to do that again. Chiefs 30, Eagles 26. Um, it's going to be a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. And um, if Chris Jones does this, if he has a game similar to the AFC Championship, if he has a game similar to what Aaron Donald did last year against a team that uh, has only lost one game all season with its starting quarterback, it will solidify in my mind that Chris Jones is a Hall of Fame player. Mm. Because he will have said to everyone that he was the best interior pass rusher in the league, the same league that had it in Donald, obviously towards the end of his career. But he was the best pass individual pass rusher all season, and that translated to his team winning the Super Bowl. If they win and Chris Jones plays well, he is a Hall of Famer.
1: Seth, I think you've earned the right to be our closer based off the AST championship game. So I'm gonna Ooh. leave you that. And I'm gonna go ahead and say that I the final score will not reflect this in my prediction. But I weirdly feel better about the Chiefs here than I think I am supposed to. Uh just because I don't really buy this this narrative that the Chiefs have the better quarterback and because they Because they don't. And I don't buy the narrative that the Chiefs have the better quarterback and the Eagles have the better roster, at least to such an extreme that that's going to be the way to analyze it. And really good analysts have said stuff along those lines. And I understand that, that, again, the depth of the Eagles defensive line, the pass rush altogether is incredible. But we've been talking about pressure and, and bringing the blitzes. If that happens, it's going to demand that at least two of these rookie cornerbacks are able to handle some significant business from A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And frankly, they earned my trust against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And I feel pretty good about it. I, I really do. I hope Legarius Sneed is out there, certainly. But I'm buying what the Chiefs' defense has shown us over the last five games. I, I've seen it enough times in a row to think that it's real and uh, that the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. So I'm pretty excited about the offense. I will say, just maybe a little worried about what happens if the Chiefs' pass catchers aren't getting open, but that's what Travis Kelsey's for. Uh, I hope Kadarius Tony is healthy I'm I'm going uh, Chiefs 24 I'll go 27-24 I think is what I've been saying I, I think it's it's not quite in the 30s because I'm kind of buying these defenses a little bit but I'll go 27-24 Chiefs
2: I, uh, I'm i altering my prediction that I've made in other places because this is time's ours and this is our special place by the way Josh I appreciate you throwing it to me to close in honor of me knowing ball I appreciate yeah. that
1: yeah sure. this will be the last time I acknowledge that um, yep. nope that's fair that's fair. Unless you'd pick the Eagles here and are right. In that case, field <laughs> turn oh, for you will be I, awesome.
2: I am not willing to get myself harmed or place myself <laughs> in the harm's way. So here, here's what I'll say. I, I think I, I'm predicting, I'm going to say 31-24 Chiefs. Um, and I think we'll sweat, but not. it won't require like an epic comeback or anything like that. Um, I, I think... I could be wrong here. We'll see how it goes. I think people might be underestimating the edge the Chiefs have in coaching. Mm. Now, I, I think Sirianni's better at in-game decisions in terms of like when to go for fourth down, certain some of those things. But I think in terms of of game planning and schematic stuff, I think the Chiefs have the edge on both sides of the ball. That's that's my theory, and I think that matters. Um, with regards to everything else, this is the third time, and people keep saying the third time in five years, and I've been corrected on this a few times. This is the third time in four years the Chiefs have been to the Super Bowl. Three out of four years, they they have gone to the Super Bowl. And I really, like the first year we did this podcast, we talked a lot, and like you pointed that out. It was our first year doing this. And when we talked about the Super Bowl, we felt like it was like this we, we couldn't believe that we were there and, and that the Chiefs had made it there and that we had a chance to even watch it. And I reminded everyone multiple times that as nervous as you were, and I think everyone was nervous, to just enjoy being where they were at, that you can really make those memories and that, that this stuff is what I called it was rare. And the crazy thing, because even as good as we knew Mahomes was then, I don't think we knew maybe how good Brett Beach would become at his job or all the other things that have fallen into place. Maybe we even, we kind of underestimated how great Patrick Mahomes is because this isn't rare now for the chiefs. And that's a whole separate thing to enjoy because it become, become really easy to become kind of inoculated to how cool this is, man. Like before Andy Reid. And there was a great article written about this before Andy Reid, The Chiefs haven't won a playoff game since the early 90s. And now three Super Bowl appearances in four years. Enjoy that. Like the legacy stuff that's at stake this game. Nate, you brought up you brought up Chris Jones. Andy Reed has a chance to start getting mentioned like, hey, is he like top three of all time? Top four, top two, top one. He's got a chance for some stuff winning another Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes' legacy conversation changes. Travis Kelsey's legacy conversation changes. There's some cool stuff that they can do in this game. And I really hope Chiefs fans enjoy this for entirely different reasons, not the nerves. But don't, don't take this for granted. This is cool. You are a fan of the most successful team in the NFL over the last five years. And just take some time and enjoy that. And it, I think... It's going
3: to end well. Nate, final words of yours. Um, there was a moment today where I had a conversation with Tom Melvin, um, and the Chiefs put out this video. I'm sure some people have seen it, but Tom was the one who was right next to Kelsey when the game ended in the AFC Championship, and he was the one he was the first one to say, "Man, you're going to play your brother in the Super Bowl," and. You could watch on camera the emotions that Kelsey w- like just showed. And Tom Melvin today told me that he and Travis had a goal for this season. A goal that he would not want to give me the actual details of such. But he made it very clear to me when the season began, me and Travis had a goal for this particular type of season. And then he also told me he encouraged Travis to talk to his brother more often. Not realizing (laughs) that they were going to have one of the most popular podcasts (laughs) in the freaking world and it was all going to get both of them and their parents to be celebrated in a way that honestly was unfathomable when Tom (laughs) Tom Melvin was trying to tell Travis Kelsey how, you know, what what words you want to use? Cool, remarkable, um, obviously interesting, fascinating to some degree that like, hey man, you and your brother are probably going to both be in the Hall of Fame. You should talk to your brother more, like during the season, like really enjoy where both of you guys are in your careers right now. And now they have a podcast and they're playing each other in the Super Bowl. Um, And I just want people to realize that I asked Tom, how many days off has he had? Like days off where you necessarily didn't have to think about football. Tom looked me straight in my eye and said, we started on July 24th. It's February 9th. I've had seven days off all, all season the journey is long and they are this close to experiencing a high that is so rare if they pull this off um, I tend to think it's the greatest season everyone on that team has had even in addition to what happened in 2019 um so I just want fans to keep that in mind. As Seth, and I completely agree about the coaching staff. As Josh, and I completely agree, says about the rookies, in particular the cornerbacks. Everything from January, genu- excuse me, everywhere from July 24th is basically led to February 12th. And if they win, um, one could argue it would be the greatest season in the entire franchise history of the Kansas City Chiefs.